today's reading is Revelation. And it's Revelation 2, which we're going to go into. Can you start my uh, PowerPoint? Revelation 2. But I'm going to start with Revelation 1. Just click OK on that or accept. Because I want to show you the significance. Let's go back. This is going to be the letters to the churches. That's what Revelation 2 is. Um, but we're going to go back to Revelation 1. And I want to just show you, I want to show you something here. I'm sure many of you know it, but if you don't know it, you need to know it. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are those who read and those who hear the words and keep those things which are prophesied. So I like to know if I do something, what is the, what is the consequence? And Revelation 1 shows us that the Lord will bless us if we will read Revelation, if we will hear it, and if we will do it. I am guaranteed a blessing. So, for the month of December, why not read it and give it your best effort to do it? And you know what your result's going to be? A blessing. A blessing from God. Well, what will that blessing be? I can't tell you. God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever even try to imagine. But what you're doing is you're positioning yourself for God to bless you. So why not do that? Why not commit? It's what, the 11th? You can read Revelation from, front to, from beginning to end in this much time easily. Why not? And try your best to do it. Um, I want to encourage you, as, as I believe what we're going to do over the next few Wednesdays is we're going to look at just what the Lord has said to the churches. Tonight we're only going to cover two. Um, but I want to encourage you, when we read the Word, for you to stop and ask the Lord, how does this apply to me? What are you trying to say to me while the pastor is reading this Scripture tonight? More so than just what the message I have, but, how, but Lord, do you want to speak directly to my heart tonight in this 20 minutes that we have? Because so many times I will study and prepare and have one way of looking at it, and then I come up here and I start preaching to you, and the Lord starts telling me something. Not, 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 not opposite, not wrong of what I have, but more. He starts speaking more to my heart. So I want to encourage you, when we read Scripture every Sunday, every Wednesday, that you start asking the Lord, okay, he's reading. Lord, speak directly to my heart. I pray that the pastor will have a great message. But Lord, when I'm in your word, I want to hear directly from you. And I believe you're going to hear something. When we look at what the Lord says about the churches, I want you to apply it to you. Apply it to you. The Lord is trying to speak to you. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ being given through John 
for the church. Who's the church? Say me. You. So who is he speaking to? You. He's speaking to the church. Everybody say amen. Amen. Revelation, I just want to give you just a brief uh, follow-up on this scripture. Because this scripture, it's unique in that it promises us a blessing to read it. And this Greek word, blessed, is the word makeros, makeros. And it's found seven times in Revelation. And it's a familiar word where Jesus uses this word in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6, where not only does it indicate the characters that are going to be blessed, but also the nature of that which is of the highest good. And the Lord pronounces to those who will read and hear and keep this word of this prophecy will be happy, satisfied, and fulfilled. They have this inner satisfaction because God dwells within them, not necessarily because of favorable circumstances, but the blessing of God can bring peace in the midst of turmoil and in the storms of life. Many of you, and I'm going to finish tonight with Romans chapter 8, are going through storms, and the Lord can be with you and give you victory in those storms. We have storms we have to get through. So many people have just gone through this horrible storm over uh, Texas. And they have gotten through it. We get through our storms. Chapter 2 starts looking at seven different churches. The letters show uh, what different groups of believers will do in times of persecution. How are we going to react when we are persecuted? You know, we don't act the same when the sun is shining as when it's raining. We don't act the same when things are great versus when things are horrible. Something about when things go wrong, it shows a side of us that normally doesn't show up. It just shows up when those buttons get pushed. And here it's showing the churches when they're persecuted what their weaknesses and strengths are. The churches were specific congregations in John's day, but I believe they represent similar types of churches regardless of place or time. What I'm trying to say is I believe this applies directly to us today. These epistles, in these epistles, the risen Lord administers his church, and each letter we're going to see includes three things. It includes an accusation, it includes a call or a directive, and it includes a threat or a promise. So as we read these, these, we're going to just read two today. Try to see if you can find these things. Actual churches, but I believe they were selected also as parable churches to give us heavenly instruction as how, these, how to apply these principles through all generations of the church. We've got to put ourselves in this situation. Ask ourselves individually and ask ourselves corporately as a church, what correction, Lord, are you trying to give me? How many of you know sometimes when you get out your Bible, correction comes into your spirit? That's good. The Word of God tells us that God corrects those that He loves. So there should be correction. You should feel your direction wanting to change. You know, that's all a correction is. A correction isn't necessarily a spanking. 
A correction is we're going this way and he just fine-tunes us just a little bit. A course correction. I've talked about this before, but if the space shuttle gets off by a fraction, they'll miss their target by miles. And when they're in space, they make corrections regularly. You may say, well, they must be failures. No, they're not failures. They need to make corrections. They make corrections in order to hit the target. If they don't make corrections, they won't hit it. So we need correction. And God's the one to give it. So the Lord is wanting to correct his church to get them on the right path. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And let me ask you, if y'all got your Bibles, if you do, get them out. Get this out. All right. The revel- uh, let's see. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered, where am I? You have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That is some deep, deep stuff. Let's go back to Revelation 2.2. We've just read it. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Four things about Ephesus that he said had not gone unnoticed. Can you see them there? Four things. And I kind of like uh, Jesus' leadership in that he usually will use the sandwich approach. He'll tell you what you're doing good, and then he deals with what we're not doing good, and then he tells us what we're doing good again. Sandwiches a criticism with two encouragements. That's, That's good leadership. I like people that sandwich good with with something that's kind of tough. Uh, What four things did he say did not go unnoticed? Church at Ephesus. Their works, their labor, their patience, and they are not bearing with those who are evil. Basically meaning if there is a problem in the camp, a, a, an evil problem, I don't mean people are just not getting along. I mean, there's evil in the camp. They are not bearing with that. They are dealing with that, which is good. Do you know the church needs to deal with evil? God has equipped us to deal with evil. 
works labor patience. Something that the Lord kind of shows me here is that the things that I'm doing, as long as I'm doing them with the right heart, he sees. He sees what I'm doing. It doesn't go unnoticed. Maybe man doesn't notice it, but God notices it. But he also observed that they had faithfully practiced church discipline by not enduring the professed Christian who per- persisted to practice sin. Now, that's a, that's a toughie. I even had a phone call on that today. What do you do when there is a Christian in your camp that will not turn? And church, the church has a way of doing that. God has given us a way to love them back away from that sin. Not condemn them, not beat them, but love them. And you know, James Dobson talks about tough love. Sometimes love is tough. Love is not always um, wishy-washy. Love sometimes is tough. Sometimes me loving my child means saying no to my child. Sometimes God loving me is saying no to me and no to you. But the church needs to be able to deal with people that are battling sin. And guys, Christians battle sin. And we saw here that if we would repent, the Lord will come through for us. If we don't, there's a problem. That's for the church. God is saying to the church, if you are battling with sin, you need to repent and turn. What did he say? Let's look. uh, What did he say? Let's look at the the last four things about this this church. The commendation was that that this church rejects evil, perseveres, and has patience. His criticism is his love for Christ is no longer fervent. He said, "You've you've left your first love. And let me tell you, this happens in marriages. We're on fire, we're in love, we're taking care of one another, and all of a sudden the flame kind of goes out. And what, what I have found that in marriage is you've got to work at keeping that flame. A fire will go out unless it's stoked and put more fire on it and cared for. You set a fire over by itself, it will eventually go out. Well, you know what? With your walk with Christ, if you are not putting fuel on that fire, that fire is going to want to go out. You've got too many factors coming at you to put it out. So we have to fervently keep our fire blazing. Do you not have to do that in your marriage? Yes. Do you not have to do that in relationships? If you don't, the relationship breaks. It becomes one-sided or it becomes no-sided. Then all of a sudden you got nothing. But look what he said to do. He said, go back. Remember where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. What he's saying is, what was working for you, go back and try that again. Do you remember when you were on fire for God? What were you doing? Go back and do that. Do something intentionally to stoke the fire that's in your heart. Now, before we move on from from this is, do we as church on the hill or do you personally, does this apply? I would think for all of us at some level, the answer is yes. 
Some it might be more, some it might be less. You might identify with another church more than you do this one. But I think, for, I think that we all can stoke our fire. I think that we all can more quickly repent and ter- return to the Lord quicker than what we do. Do you agree? All right, let's look at the last one. The persecuted church. This is Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of church in Smyrna, write, These things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say you are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10. Don't fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Something I left out about the previous scripture is the reward of repentance the reward of turning and going back and stoking that first love and keeping that first love, the first love, is the tree of life. The reward of keeping God first in your heart, and when you fall, you get up and you repent, is the tree of life. Something interesting about the church of Smyrna Of the seven cities addressed in Revelation 2 and 3, this is the only one, the only city that exists today. And it's in Turkey. If you can see it, I'm going to zoom in a little bit more, but it's right there. You see Italy. You you can see Turkey. Uh, I want to say Greece was was here somewhere, but I've probably zoomed in too far. But right here. It's this town here. Christ affirmed that he was well aware of four aspects of their fruitful endurance shown in Revelation 2, verse 9. Let me reread that. I know your works, tribulation, and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say you are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So what he saw, these four aspects of their endurance, was their works, their tribulation, their poverty, and being able to deal with this blasphemy. Same verse, even though they were persecuted by unbelieving and hostile Jews, who was the true source of their attack? Do you all remember? I just read it. Satan. Satan comes after the church. Satan is not just after the lost. Satan is after you. And he's looking for you to break down in tribulation, in attacks, in your works. How many of you have ever gotten down in your works? I don't mean your job. I mean mean the things that you're doing for Christ. You've just worn yourself out. You've, You've gotten down, feel like it's doing no good. And you start to believe a lie. 
the author of that, the one who is doing that, is Satan. They are a synagogue of Satan. So the church at Smyrna, their commendation, gracefully bears suffering. I can't say that many people have ever said that about me. I do not. How many of you bear suffering gracefully? What, what, a, what a statement. And then something that really jumps out at the church of Smyrna is there was no criticism. Maybe you say, well, I can relate to that. <laughs> I don't even know if y'all got that, that the Lord wouldn't criticize you. No, he, he, I'm sure he's got plenty of things to, to criticize me. But the instruction was be faithful to the death. Faithful to the death. Whatever it costs you. If it costs you death, be faithful. Anything less than that, be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord. And what will you receive? You will receive the crown of life. The tree of life, the crown of life. And I want you to know life is, is blessed. But I want to just close with, with this, this kind of approach. Is how, how many of you, we can't deny that as Christians that we go through pressures, that we have troubles and tribulations. And the word used... In Revelation 1.9, this word tribulation was a classic Greek word used to describe Romans who would torture someone by applying the pressure of a heavy stone to the chest of a criminal. Try to get some imagery here. A criminal, a Roman soldier taking a heavy stone and placing it on the chest of a criminal. A heavy pressure that would have the effect of slowly mashing the individual to death. That's what these pressures, these tribulations that we go through is trying to do. It's trying to mash us to death. Trying to put that flame that we have for Christ out. Do you have things in your life that are slowly mashing you to death? Mashing you to the point where you feel like you can't take it anymore. Emotionally, do you feel lonely and depressed? Financially, are you falling so far behind that you have no hope of getting caught back up? Physically, are you battling ill health or battling a bad result, a bad test result? How many of you know a bad test result will mash you down? What about spiritually? Are you filled with doubt or guilt? Jesus said he knows all about our afflictions, our deep distress, our pressing problems, that he knows and he cares. He knows our present pressures and he knows our future trials that are coming. And Jesus' word assures us of final victory. Let me finish with Romans 8.31. I'm just going to read to you. And again, I want you to ask the Lord right now, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. What then shall we say these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes, also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all killed all day long, for we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need encouraging. Do you know how I know you need encouraging? Because the scripture tells us that you need encouraging. The scripture is an encouraging scripture. And the scripture was given for us. And what it's saying is, God has given everything for us. God has made every provision for us. Will he let us get out here and get taken out by Satan? No. Satan's not that big. He's not that strong. But you've got to stoke that fire. You've got to come to the Lord. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If you claim him, he'll claim you. You claim him in your heart. You start walking as though you are a child of God. God will come to your rescue. You are a child of God. But we can walk outside of that. This message to the churches shows us that the church can get off. Men and women, we can get off. Get back. Get back on track. Allow the Lord to correct you. Man, let's let the next 20 days of 2013 be awesome. There is no reason why this can't be the best 20 days of your life. Set your heart. Set your heart to Jesus. Do you know something? This is the time that we, that we remember his birth. But I want to encourage you. He's coming back. Part of us celebrating Christmas is to remember that he did come. But that he's coming back. Church, it's our job to get ready for his return. We are to prepare ourselves for the Lord to come. Would you commit to the next 20 days to prepare your heart for the Lord to come? All right, stand up with me if y'all don't mind and let me pray. Father, I just thank you. As the scripture just showed us that you've given everything. You've given your son. You gave us everything. You've given us everything. And Lord, it's so easy for us to turn and run a different direction. But tonight, Lord, we, we turn back to you. My soul longs for you. Nothing else will do.
Holy Spirit, I just ask you, those that are here tonight, Lord, or that we are all here under this roof, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to fill our hearts. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Set our spirit on fire. Let that flame blaze like it did when we were first saved. Let us return to our first love. We love you, Lord. Lord, let us receive correction from your word. Lord, let us not get down because we're corrected, but Lord, let us make the corrections and walk in it. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Next Wednesday, tacky, ugly, pretty sweater. You, you can decide. <laughs>